Thanks for listening to Westminster Insider. We'll get started right after this. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Today's episode is presented by Lloyd's Banking Group. Everyone deserves a safe place to call home. That's why Lloyd's Banking Group has championed the social housing sector for decades, supporting more than 340 housing associations across the UK. Good evening. The 22nd of September, 2020. I want to talk to you directly tonight about the choices that we face and why we must take action now. Boris Johnson delivered a statement to the nation about coronavirus. The virus has started to spread again in an exponential way. After the first lockdown in the spring and a lifting of some restrictions that summer, cases, hospitalizations, and deaths were rising again. Your mild cough can be someone else's death knell. The Prime Minister announced new restrictions, including a return to working from home and a 10pm curfew for the hospitality sector. We will enforce those rules with tougher penalties and fines of up to £10,000. Four days later, Margaret Ferrier, the SNP MP for Rutherglen and Hamilton West, was in her constituency, feeling a wee bit under the weather. She took a COVID test, one of the ones where you need to wait a few days for the results to come through. The guidance at this time was to self-isolate as soon as you had COVID symptoms. But Ferrier did not self-isolate. The following day, Sunday, she went to church and had lunch with a family member. On Monday, she took a taxi to Glasgow Central Station and then the train to London. She came into Parliament, ate in the members' tea room and took part in a debate. Margaret Ferrier. Thank you, Madam Deputy Speaker, and it's a pleasure to follow the Honourable Gentleman. Um, That evening, she got a text informing her that she'd tested positive for COVID. It had just become the law in England that anyone who had tested positive for coronavirus had to self-isolate for 10 days. But the following morning, Margaret Ferrier took the train back to Glasgow. When the SNP leadership team worked out what she'd done, they told her to refer herself to the police, which she did. She lost the SNP whip, was arrested, stood trial and pled guilty to breaching coronavirus laws. She picked up a criminal record and was sentenced to 270 hours of community service. But she's still been among us here in Westminster for the past two and a half years, sitting as an independent MP. Only this summer, after a House of Commons investigation suspended her for 30 days, was there a recall petition in her constituency. Her constituents turned out in force to remove her as their MP, and now there's a vacant seat in the Houses of Parliament. 
the Rutherglen and Hamilton West by-election is happening on the 5th of October. And it's no ordinary by-election. It's the next general election in Scotland in microcosm. The perfect bellwether of the battle ahead. For the SNP's hopes of survival at the top of Scottish politics. We're going through what I would describe as necessary growing pains, but I think we'll come out of it stronger. And for Labour's hopes of an outright majority at the next general election. Scotland deserves better. Um, And with Labour, they would get better. So in this episode, I retraced Margaret Ferrier's steps and got the train from London to Glasgow and back again to go on the campaign trail in South Lanarkshire. Labour hoping to win here. Do you think that's likely? I think there's a huge chance of it, yeah. I go out on the doorsteps with the Scottish Labour leader, Anna Sarwar. Hello! How are you? You are right? Nice to Great see to have you out. The sun always shines in Scotland, doesn't it? And I meet the SNP leader and First Minister of Scotland, Hamza Youssef. First Minister, welcome to the Westminster Insider podcast. What a pleasure. From Politico, I'm Alva Ray. And this week on Westminster Insider, I'm taking you on the campaign trail in Rutherglen and Hamilton West and inside the battle for Scotland. Team Scotland has won this election. It's been an exceptional night for the SNP and, you know, Scotland has sent a very clear message. We don't want a Boris Johnson Conservative government. The SNP has fallen short of a majority, but Nicola Sturgeon's party has won this election with a record high vote share. The Scottish National Party, the SNP, has dominated Scottish politics for over a decade. Under Alex Salmond and then Nicola Sturgeon, this pro-independence party has been the biggest Scottish party at Westminster since 2015. And they've been in government at Holyrood since 2007. But things could be changing. The last six months in Scotland, and certainly since the announcement by Nicola Sturgeon in the middle of February, that she was standing down as SNP leader and First Minister, has been marked by a significant decline in support for the SNP. When Ms Sturgeon announced her resignation, the SNP was still running at about 43% in the opinion polls. Now it's down to around 36% or so. This, of course, is the pollster Professor Sir John Curtis. He's the go-to Professor of Politics at the University of Strathclyde, who pops up on our TVs every time there's a big election night or during major political events. In fact, he even has a tribute account on Twitter called Is Sir John Curtis on TV? And the answer is usually yes. The SNP has been dipping in the polls for the past six months. You might have assumed that that dip was caused by the dramatic scenes we saw this April. This is the epicentre of what has become a major police investigation here on the outskirts of Glasgow. This is the home of Peter Murrell, the home of Nicola Sturgeon, the power couple in Scottish politics. An investigation that is centred on the SNP's finances and its fundraising. But according to John Curtis, the SNP's troubles began before that. After eight years of relatively smooth leadership under Nicola Sturgeon, the leadership contest that followed her resignation revealed deep divisions under the surface of this normally very slick party. Divisions on social issues, on economics, on how to achieve independence. And Humza Youssef, the man who won, 
is nowhere near as popular as his predecessor. Though it's also true that the arrest and then subsequent release by the police of Nicola Sturgeon in connection with the financial allegations about the SNP also seems to have added further trouble. The police investigation into the SNP's finances rumbles on. Nicola Sturgeon denies any wrongdoing. But there's more context that means the SNP could be in trouble. The Labour Party in Scotland was already enjoying quite a substantial renaissance. Not necessarily for anything particularly to do with what was going on in Scotland, and largely for much the same reasons that there's been a renaissance of the Labour Party across the UK as a whole, i.e. one party gate and two Liz Truss. But, you know, the, the Labour Party overtook the Conservatives in Scotland in terms of the opinion polls and then in the local elections in uh, May 2022 in the wake of Partygate. So the Labour Party was already running towards the high 20s by the end of last year. That recovery in itself would have meant that the Rother Glen by-election would have been quite a close contest, even if the SM support for the SNP hadn't fallen. But, of course, what is now true is also the Labour Party has profited to some degree from the decline of SNP support, such that now, you know, the SNP lead over Labour, while it's small if it exists at all, and once we reach that situation, pretty much every seat in Scotland becomes marginal. In Rutherglen and Hamilton West, the SNP has a majority of 9.7%, just over 5,000 votes. But with the SNP lead over Labour now looking pretty small, the vote on the 5th of October is our first glimpse of what could be in store across Scottish politics at the next general election. This is a by-election which enables us to ascertain whether or not in a fairly classic West of Scotland seat the Labour Party is back in business and that the SNP are indeed in trouble such that it may no longer be the case that the SNP are going to dominate Scotland's representation at Westminster and raising questions about the future of the SNP's dominance in Scotland in general. So it's therefore potentially important to the future of the SNP and therefore eventually to you know what's going to happen to the independence debate but also potentially crucial to Labour's chances of being able to form a majority administration after the next UK general election. Right, I have arrived into Rutherglen Station. I just got a very quick train from Glasgow Central. It only took about five minutes. There are different ways of describing this area to the south of Glasgow. You could call it the southern suburbs of Glasgow or Greater Glasgow, or Glasgow's commuter towns. It's a mostly urban area of towns and villages like Rutherglen and Cambuslang that have pretty much bled into one. And I quickly learned that for locals, it's nothing to do with Glasgow. It's South Lanarkshire. I'm just walking around the corner to meet the SNP candidate here, Katie Loudon, who's a local councillor. I'm intrigued to see what kind of a spin she puts on how the SNP have been doing lately. I've got this address. Google Maps seems to think it's outside a derelict building. (laughs) Just walking past a nice old-fashioned pub called the Victoria. And sure enough, it does say, vote Katie Loudon outside. Hello, Hello. good morning. It's Alva, isn't it? Nice to meet you. I'm Stacey. Nice to see you. Hi, and this is obviously our... Hello, nice to meet you. 
so Casey, talk me through where we are and what you're doing here today. So we're in our campaign hub, which is in the middle of Rutherglen. Nice and easy to spot. We've got Katie Loudon in giant letters outside, so it's easy for people to come and find. It's the meeting point for all of our campaigning sessions. And it's really good just to be able to offer a little bit of hospitality to people as well, so they can come in and get a cup of tea. So all of that is going on. SMP Bunting, a nice little hub over there, box of celebrations and sunscreen. (laughs) So... Should we confront the difficult stuff head on? I mean, this must be a really tough by-election to fight. How are you finding it? So it is a difficult context. I mean, there's no getting away from that. That's been a difficult few months. However, our focus is very much on what is happening now and what the concerns and priorities are for the people in Rutherglen and Hamilton West at the moment. If I wasn't in here speaking to you at the moment, I would be out chapping doors. And that's the key priority is to listen to what people are telling us about. And overwhelmingly, people in the doors are wanting to speak to us about the cost of living crisis and how that's affecting them. Now, people have been writing all sorts of think pieces on what this by-election means and what it doesn't mean but I'm very much focused on that activity just now and seeking to represent the people to stand up for them in Westminster. What do you say when people say well the last time I voted SNP I had this MP who picked up a criminal record and I'm not sure I want to go there again. How do you address those concerns head on? So as I said, genuinely, people won't speak about other matters. Of course, it's an issue. We have had some conversations come up. I've got to say mostly from a sympathetic, isn't the right word, but from a, there, there's a sadness there when you speak to SNP supporters and voters because people had put their trust in Margaret before. However, it would have been the correct thing for her to do to resign at the time. I said that at the time, and, and that's no secret. And she's not a member of the SNP anymore, and left on that time but also the national picture has been a bit tricky and I suppose that isn't so much in the past there's an ongoing police investigation what do you say to voters who are worried about whether they can trust the SNP in in that wider context so yep there is an ongoing police investigation and it's an ongoing investigation and as I said earlier it's not been an easy few months however We are focusing very much on this by-election just now. We are the party that are offering people a real difference and a real change here. Labour are going around chapping doors and saying they're offering change. But we've had a few comments of people saying that's actually pretty empty rhetoric. They can't actually say what that means. And you said you've been out a lot canvassing. How many times a day? Yeah, so we're out about three times a day at the moment. So would I be able to come out and join you then? Yeah, so it's something that we can speak about. Um, there's, as I say, there, there's always something going on. Um, not always something that I can absolutely nail down exactly where we're going to be and which postcode because it depends very much on um, who arrives when. But let's have a chat about it after this. I'm sure we can sort something. As you can hear, the big elephant in the room there was the fact that the SNP candidate is out canvassing three times a day but isn't able to find a time to canvass with Westminster Insider, with me and my little microphone. But we'll have plenty of opportunities to hear from voters separately. Okay, I'm outside a nail salon. This could be quite embarrassing, but I'm going to go in. Hello. Very sorry to bother you. Do you mind if I come in and have a little chat for a couple of minutes with you guys? So there I was, standing in the middle of this nail bar, all eyes on me, holding an impromptu focus group. You're having lovely long blue nails done over the union flag. Is that an indication of your politics? (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> but you also have a Union Jack phone case. Um, I don't know how aware you all are of this big by-election that's coming up here. Um, yeah, you've got the S- you've got like SNP and Labour and all that up, <laughs> just up there and stuff. So yeah. So do you have any idea how any of you might vote? I don't really want to vote for anybody, to be honest. That's the way it makes you feel. Now, you might reasonably wonder why the SNP, who were going out canvassing three times a day, couldn't manage to find a time to take me outdoor knocking with them. And one clue might be the comments I was hearing about their last MP. I heard Margaret Ferrier. She went down to Westminster knowing fine well she had COVID. So, yeah, she's not very well liked, I think. Yeah, well, I'm interested because obviously we've seen it in the news, but you're the ones who actually had her as the MP here. She's kind of just made a party look bad as well, hasn't she? Out on the streets of Rutherglen, it was the same story. You know that there's a big by-election coming up here. Do you have any idea how you might vote? Um, I, I don't know. I, I think so. I think the reason why the woman went off was because of breaking COVID rules and things like that. So I think we need more people who have got high levels of integrity and things like that. So that's what I'll be looking out for more. We were all struggling through the period. So to think about somebody breaking the rules whilst you were just locked down in the house, not able to visit family and friends. I mean, it's a bit, should I say painful? Yeah. Yeah. So I was just disappointed. I think they were right to get shot here. <laughs> I'll probably be voting, but I'll not be voting for the ones that it doesn't help you. See the likes of, like Margaret Ferry and them. I'll not be voting for them. The people of Rutherglen and Hamilton West had a UK government that crashed the economy and pushed up mortgage rates just over a year ago. They have a government in Holyrood that's under investigation by the police and their last local MP picked up a criminal record. So it's maybe not surprising that there's a disillusion with politics on doorsteps and in the nail bar. You're basically voting for the best out of a bad bunch because they're, no, no, they're all for themselves, really. So Labour are hoping to win here and take it back from the SNP. Do you think that's likely? I think there's a huge chance of it, yeah. Thank you. Cheers to you. Thanks. Bye. <laughs> The best place to go in any constituency is the nail bar. But it's not as simple here as Labour just picking up votes from disillusioned Tory and SNP voters. Coming up after the break, I meet the men hoping to romp to victory here. We want to win the by-election, we want to demonstrate to people that the SNP and the Tories' time is coming to an end. And the man trying to stop them. The SNP leader and First Minister, Hamza Youssef. If you want to send a message to Westminster that their harmful austerity measures are not welcome here in Scotland, you must vote for the SNP. Stay with us. In the market for investment-worthy bags, watches and fine jewellery, Rebag is the answer. Rebag is a luxury resale platform where each piece is carefully inspected by experts to ensure quality and authenticity. Use Rebag to buy and sell finds from the world's top brands, including Louis Vuitton, Chanel, and Cartier. Head to Rebag.com to get 5% off your first purchase with code REBAGNEW. Shop today at Rebag.com. That's R-E-B-A-G.com. And use promo code REBAGNEW for 5% off your first purchase. A message from Lloyds Banking Group. Lloyds Banking Group has championed social housing for decades. It provides finance, expertise and guidance 
to more than 340 housing associations across the UK. These range from small local associations of several hundred homes to much larger regional associations responsible for tens of thousands of properties. Each has an important role to play in their community to help people find a safe place to call home. Improving access to quality and affordable homes is central to Lloyds Banking Group's commitment to helping Britain prosper. That's why Lloyds Banking Group is calling for one million more homes to be made available for social rent over the next decade. Rutherglen and Hamilton West was once a safe, traditional Labour seat. The founder of the Labour Party, Keir Hardy, was born only up the road. For more than half a century, this area elected a Labour MP every time, like most of West Central Scotland. But devolution, brought in by Labour in the late 90s, changed that. They soon discovered, to their horror, that people were more likely to vote SNP at Holyrood than they were at Westminster, and Labour's historic dominance started to slip. This is the stuff of fantasies for the nationalists, their leader returning to Edinburgh to lay claim to an historic victory. In 2011, the SNP did the seemingly impossible. They won an outright majority at the Holyrood elections. David Cameron decided that the only way to stop nationalism in its tracks would be to call a referendum on Scottish independence, call the SNP's bluff, because at that time, only 30% of people in Scotland supported independence. The people of Scotland have spoken. They have kept our country of four nations together. But the result, a narrow win for the union, was far closer than anybody had expected. And that left a lasting change on Labour in Scotland. Within days... Here's John Curtis. ...of the announcement of the referendum result, what we discovered was that people who had voted yes, who had historically been Labour voters, because quite around a third of Labour's vote of 2010 voted yes, switched to the SNP. They wanted to affirm the vote they had made in September. And they affirmed that vote by voting for the SNP in 2015. The SNP got almost half the vote and they got 56 of Scotland's 59 seats and Labour were left with one. It was in that 2015 election that the SNP won in Rutherglen and Hamilton West for the very first time. Since then, the seat has swung back and forth between SNP and Labour, which means this should be a relatively easy seat for Labour to win back if it's on track to do well at the next election. You need to understand simply one thing about Mother Glen, and that is Jeremy Corbyn won the constituency in 2017. It is a relatively marginal SNP-held seat, the 10% lead in 2019. And if the Labour Party, both north and south of the border, are going to be able to continue to pursue the narrative that they are capable of winning significant number of seats in Scotland, at the next general election, they do rather need to be able to win a seat that even Jeremy Corbyn was able to win. This by-election isn't just then a test for Hamza Youssef and the SNP. 
It's a massive test for Anna Sarwar, the Scottish Labour leader, and for the UK Labour leader, Keir Starmer, in London. The honest truth is, Sir Keir Starmer just cannot afford not to win a constituency that Jeremy Corbyn could win. I mean, this is just, in terms of his personal authority within the party, the ability to persuade anybody else, you know, this is pretty crucial. You heard John Curtis explain earlier in the episode that across Scottish politics as a whole, the SNP lead over Labour has narrowed massively. In fact, in some polls recently, they're neck and neck. So, according to John Curtis at least, Labour has no excuse for losing this by-election. If you take the average of the opinion polls about Westminster voting attention, you're looking at something like a 12% swing from the SNP to Labour Party, and it only needs a 5% swing for the Labour Party to pick the seat up. You know, it, it should be straightforward. And for, to be honest, people like me on the night are kind of going to go, well, we assume Labour will win. The question is, how well do they win? If Labour is going to meet its aspirations, it's going to have to be able to win seats that are rather less marginal than rather going in Hamilton Westies. I went chaffing doors, as they call it in Scotland, with Labour's candidate here, local teacher Michael Shanks. And joining him was the man credited with turning Scottish Labour's fortunes around, Anna Sarwar, the Scottish Labour leader. Hello! How are you? You are right? Nice to see Great to have you out. The sun always shines in Scotland, doesn't it, Michael? Certainly in Rutherglen and Hamilton. Absolutely. We've got your support Wait, in October. We've got rid of the police. Yes, Absolutely. honestly. Can't come soon enough. It's a shame, isn't it? Oh, it's terrible. Something needs to be done quick. So, there's enormous pressure on you to win here and win well. How's it going? Look, it's funny because um, you say pressure when you become the leader of a political party and people are arguing whether your very existence is going to continue and you're 32 points behind the SNP and people think you haven't got hope in hell. That's pressure. Uh, when you're out talking to people, having positive conversations, demonstrating to people that a different future is possible, that's not pressure, that's exciting. So the pollster, John Curtis, told me earlier, very wise man, told me that you'd be needing at least a 10% swing here for it to be looking good for you at the next general election. So you need to win pretty well. Are you confident that you can do it? Look, of course, we want to win the by-election. We want to demonstrate to people that, of course, the SNP and the Tories' time is, is coming to, we hope, an end. But that's the easy part of politics, trying to persuade people why your opponents deserve to lose. The hard part of politics is persuading people why you deserve to win. And that's the bit we're relentlessly focused on here and hopefully using this as a launch pad heading into the next general election to say, let's not go back to the same old divisions where we pit community against community, Scott against Scott. Let's instead show that we can do something bigger and better by pulling people together in this community and right across Scotland and indeed right across the UK. Out on the sunny residential streets of Hamilton, Anna Sarwar was recognised wherever we went. And the reception was pretty warm. How are you, Uncle? Okay? Why didn't you say when the voice was on you, you're that handsome guy off the. Why didn't you say that when they were recording? That's a handsome guy. That's talk. Why didn't you say that? How much did they pay you? Take care, nice to see you. Some of the most deprived areas of Scotland are in this constituency. Labour and the SNP have both said that the number one issue on doorsteps is overwhelmingly the cost of living. But the biggest thing coming up when I was there was hospital waiting times. 
So you're a, a young couple with uh, a young child, I gather, even though there's no child in your pram at the moment. <laughs> and two of them. What are your big priorities then? When you're looking to vote, what, what is the top issue for you? You know the waiting times for NHS? That would be something I'll be looking out for. You know there's a big by-election coming yeah, up? Yeah. Are you planning on voting in it? Maybe Labour, maybe SNP. Okay, have you voted SNP before? Okay, so you're exactly the kinds of people that they're fighting over this time. Tell me how you're feeling, what you're weighing up. Yeah, I'm going to vote to the SNP, so I think I'll stay with them. Even though they're not doing so well at the yeah, moment? It's between them and Labour, I think. What would sway it for you? Yeah, better help with hospitals and things like that, because the two is about bad operations that we need and we can't get them. I used to always vote Labour, and then the last few elections, it's been SNP, but I don't know. But I will vote it. So you've mentioned healthcare might change your mind. Is there anything else that you need to... No, nothing else. Not really. We're pensioners now, we don't care. As long as the Tories don't go, I really don't care. (laughs) Labour is getting a hearing again from people who switched to the SNP a few years ago. But the challenge for Labour is that they're asking people who support independence to vote for a party that's pro-union. And that's not how Scottish politics has worked in recent years. John Curtis explains. By 2021, and the Hollywood election of 2021, basically everybody who was in favour of independence voted for the SNP, and virtually nobody who was opposed to independence voted for the SNP. And it's still the case that support for Labour in Scotland is somewhat more than twice as high amongst no supporters than it is amongst yes supporters. But what Labour have managed to do as the party that's always been the one party that has some success in bridging the constitutional divide, is that it has managed to more or less double in recent weeks and months its level of support amongst yes voters. So it's still very much a minority of yes voters, but uh, some of them at the moment are sufficiently discombobulated about the SNP that they're switching towards Labour. Even though support for the SNP has gone down in recent months, Support for independence hasn't. Scotland is still a country where just under half the public say they would vote yes, which means there's a big question for Labour and Anna Sarwar. A lot of the voters you need to win back voted for independence. You're a pro-union party. How are you winning those people back when on a really fundamental issue you have a different stance? Well, the SNP won the election in 2007, because even people that disagreed with them on the Constitution, who believed in Scotland staying part of the UK, thought that they wanted a change and, and gave them a chance. And, you know, if they could do it back in 2007, there's no reason why we can't do it now, in 2024 and in 2026. And the key point to that is, look, I support us being part of the UK, I don't support a referendum, I don't support independence. But, you know, we can disagree on the final destination for Scotland, but actually what we can all agree on right now is we've got to get rid of this rotten Tory government. And the only way we get rid of this rotten Tory government is people in Scotland, England, Wales, Northern Ireland, right across the country, come together and get rid of this rotten, morally bankrupt, economically illiterate Tory government. When Anna Sarwar took over as Labour leader, he clarified Scottish Labour's position as an unequivocally pro-union party. There is not going to be a referendum on independence in the next parliament. We've been very clear about that. And, thanks to Partygate and Liz Truss, he won over a lot of Conservative unionists. Now it's his challenge to persuade people who want independence that their best hope of change in the short term is to vote Labour. But SNP candidate Katie Loudon's message to voters is that Labour is not a progressive party. 
We are the only party in this election who are going to stand up for your family and for the people in your community against Tory austerity, against cruel Tory welfare policies and against Brexit. Labour don't stand for any of those things now and that message is cutting through to people when we're speaking to them. You've just heard her emphasise that the SNP opposes Brexit, which is something Anna Sarwar's Labour can't do while Keir Starmer is trying to win back Brexit-supporting red wall seats in England. If you have more than two children at the moment, you don't get benefits. Would that change under a Labour government? We're not changing that policy. You're not changing the two-child policy benefits. When Keir Starmer told Laura Koonsberg he wouldn't scrap the two-child benefit cap, there was an outcry among Scottish Labour MSPs. And Anna Sauer said he thought it was a heinous policy. Michael Shanks, the Labour candidate in Rutherglen, has a different position to UK Labour on transgender policies. And the SNP has loved it. They've described Keir Starmer as less progressive, a red Tory, and they describe him as Anna Sarwar's real boss down in London. Michael, can I bring you in too? Anna's mentioned this sort of a very united party in the SNP, the divided ones. There's been a little bit of chat about differences between Keir Starmer and Anna's here beside me. We only have but, differences on the football pitch, nowhere else. <laughs> and maybe a little bit on gender policy or the two-child benefit cap. My question to you is, what are people saying about Keir Starmer on the doorsteps? Look, people here are crying out for change and they see that being delivered by Keir Starmer leading a Labour government. Michael Shanks, the Labour candidate. That's why Keir Starmer's popularity ratings here are continuing to rise, particularly the more people hear about our plan for what we would do differently. Do you and feel what like been... he's an asset for you on the doorsteps here? Yeah, he absolutely is. He absolutely is. And he's been here four or five times now. We did a question and answer session here with the public. People really warmed to his ideas, his passion, but also I think his values. You have a different position to Keir Starmer on the two-child benefit cap. You are being more progressive than him on, on issues like that, aren't you? Well, well look, we're the, we're, we're, I think there's a difference in the nuance. Actually, I don't see there's a difference in terms of policy position. Anna Sarwar. I'm the first to accept that an incoming Labour government will not know that economic carnage is going to inherit. UK Labour is absolutely right to say we are not going to make big spending commitments that we don't know where the money's going to come from. But am I, of course, going to say when the opportunity allows us to make changes to our welfare system to make it fairer, Labour should do that? Absolutely. And I think here we'd also be the first to say that, of course, a Labour government's going to be an anti-poverty government. It's in our DNA. But the wider point I wanted to make was when we've had a UK Tory government and an SNP government here, devolution has now become this kind of idea people believe that it's about division, it's about fighting, it's about disagreeing. Devolution is actually about having differentiation, finding answers that relate to individual communities, so Scottish solutions to Scottish problems, and two governments working together to deliver for Scotland. And that, I think, will be the big change. If we get a UK Labour government, you will see straight away the difference you have where you have a government wanting to cooperate and deliver for Scotland rather than two governments wanting to fight and have conflict and failing Scotland. So, fresh from the campaign trail with Anna Sarwar and Michael Shanks and the whole Labour crew, we have just driven 10-15 minutes up the road to a gymnastics club where Humza Yusuf, the First Minister, is on a visit with the SNP candidate who we met yesterday, Katie Loudon. It's not the same as door knocking, it's more staged. There's a TV crew here to film the First Minister meeting parents and children. But we're going to grab him for a quick chat after. First Minister, welcome to the Westminster Insider podcast. 
most uh, what a pleasure to be on the podcast. I hope you're a regular listener. First of all, this must be a, a tough by-election for you. How are you finding out? Look, there's no, no secret that the circumstances of this by-election have been tricky. The party and the SNP has had a difficult few months, no getting away from it. Why would I insult anybody's intelligence and pretending uh, otherwise? But we go into this by-election with a degree of confidence for a number of reasons. One, we have a phenomenally good candidate in Katie Loudon. Secondly, we've been delivering for people in Scotland and delivering for them in the face of a Westminster cost of living crisis that people are really suffering from. But yeah, it will be a tricky by-election, so we're not going to take a single vote for granted. I mean, the last time the people here voted for an SNP candidate, they ended up with someone with picking up a criminal record. How do you lay those concerns on doorsteps? So when Margaret Ferrier did what she did and it became known about, we took immediate action and she was no longer in the party and we urged her straight away to resign her seat. But it she did take years to get rid of her. It did, it did, but not from lack of trying from the SNP or indeed uh, others. We kicked her out of the party, we demanded that she resigned and she chose to fight it to the very last moment. Uh, and that was a decision for Margaret to make. I think what people can absolutely be reassured about when it comes to the SNP is we always stand up for Scotland and that's really important at any time particularly important at the time in the face of a Westminster cost of living crisis. So what we've been picking up is that there are lots of people who have been SNP voters for the past few years who are now thinking about switching back to Labour. What's your message to those people in particular? Well, a few things. First and foremost, the SNP has delivered, whether it's abolishing prescription charges, abolishing tuition fees, whether it's helping people with the Scottish child payment. There's so many things that we have done to deliver for people. You know, we hope that that's uh, recognised. But secondly, what I'd say is that Labour have shown themselves to be no different to the Conservatives. In the face of a Westminster cost of living crisis, they've said that they will continue to support Brexit. They won't want Scotland to rejoin the European Union, even though Brexit has done such economic catastrophe to the entire country. Sir Keir Starmer now supports retaining the two-child limit supports the bedroom tax, supports the rape clause. So if you want to send a message to Westminster that their harmful austerity measures are not welcome here in Scotland, you must vote for the SNP. Now, I've, I've had an interesting chat with the pollster, Professor John Curtis. He pointed out to me that actually one of the big factors driving the, the dip in the polls for the SNP isn't actually all of this stuff about the police and so on. It's your own popularity. What do you say about that? That's tricky, isn't it? That you're actually just on, on paper less popular than Nicola Sturgeon. Well, Nicola Sturgeon, probably one of the most impressive politicians uh, of uh, an era, so big shoes to fill, uh, for sure. What I saw from the latest Ipsos Mori poll was that my popularity uh, had improved. And you keeping people, an eye on it? Yeah, well, of course, we look at polls, why would we not? That's what people uh, tell us. But uh, what's really helpful is that clearly the more people see, not just of me, because it's not a one-man band here, but the more they see of the new administration, the new government that I lead, the, the more impressed they are. And I've just delivered a programme for government which puts anti-poverty and pro-growth at its very heart. So, look, I'll convince people about uh, myself in due course, but I'm more interested in convincing them about what the party can do for them. Final question. I mean, it must have been a really frustrating time to become leader of the SNP. Do you feel like you haven't had a chance to show what you stand for and get a fair hearing from voters? So I think sometimes you've got to take a step back. I'm the First Minister of the country. It's the greatest honour. You don't get to be First Minister two or three or four times. You get one shot at it. And, you know, for somebody who's born and bred, raised, raising his kids in this country, the only country I call home, to be the First Minister, sure it comes with stress, sure it comes with frustrations, but bloody hell, it's the best job in the world. 
Even when it's been going the way it's gone for the Even past when year. it's difficult. Even when you are battling uphill. Even when you're getting frustrating headlines about you. Even when the opposition are lining up to give you a kicking. Whatever is happening that is difficult, you're the first minister of the country. You've got the ability to make a difference. You've got the ability to transform lives. You've got the ability to really make a difference to those who are suffering the most in our country. And, of course, ultimately, I'm now in charge of a fantastic cause from the SNP, which is to, to advance the cause of independence, which I believe so passionately about. So, no, uh, even at its most difficult, it's a huge honour. At the moment, Labour is doing so well in UK-wide polling that it could win a majority at the next general election without much of a revival in Scotland. But if, as John Curtis expects, the Conservatives manage to reduce the Labour lead across the UK as a whole, then whether or not Labour can win a significant bevy of seats in Scotland will potentially make a significant difference to Labour's chances of winning an overall majority at the next election across the UK as a whole. And as a rough rule of thumb, for every 12 seats that the Labour Party can pick up in Scotland, we can knock a couple of points off the lead that Labour will need over the Conservatives across the UK as a whole. Scotland could be the difference between Keir Starmer governing comfortably in number 10, struggling in a minority administration, or missing out on government altogether. The pressure is on. Thanks for listening to Westminster Insider with me, Alva Ray. If you've enjoyed it, please spread the word, follow us and maybe leave us a nice review. My producer this week was Dan Hardoon of Whistledown Productions and here at Politico, my executive producer is Christina Gonzalez and my editor is Jack Blanchard. We'll be back next Friday. But before you go, we wanted to tell you about a brand new Politico podcast that launched this week. It's called Power Play, hosted by Anne McElvoy. And the first guest is none other than Sir Keir Starmer. Some of you may remember that Aggie and I did a two-part episode last season on the man who wants to be Britain's next Prime Minister. And now, Starmer himself sat down with Anne to share his vision for his foreign policy. I feel very strongly that since Brexit, there's been a sense that we've not just exited the EU, that we've somehow turned our back on the world and wherever you go, People feel almost the absence of the UK, once a leading voice, now rarely consulted. So do go and follow PowerPlay wherever you get your podcasts, and we'll include a link in our show notes. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50 luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.